What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your boy, KB. Eagles coming off a big-time win against the New York football Giants. Everybody, the Giants are frauds. You're welcome for exposing them. Uh, Eagles looking to fly high into the postseason, into that number one seed, win the NFC East. And they're looking good doing it. Jalen Hurts, MVP, no doubt in my mind. We've talked about it a number of times on the main show. Go check that out wherever you get your podcasts and right here on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, but the Eagles looking to go toe-to-toe with the Chicago Bears. Micah Parsons giving the Eagles just plenty of back backlogged bulletin board material uh, for Christmas Eve. But the Eagles are focused on the Chicago Bears. I'm focused on the Chicago Bears the Cowboys are focused on the Eagles when they have the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are a frisky team, right in front of them, and their coach kind of knows them. So, uh, Eagles looking to take down the Chicago Bears, a team that is young, they're banged up, uh, and are just kind of trying to find their identity. And no better way to talk Chicago Bears on Eagles enemies than with our Chicago Bears expert extraordinaire, Lauren Cox. He's joining us on this week's episode. But before we dive into it with Lauren, make sure you guys are following us at Underground PHI on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI. Follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get every episode of Eagles Enemies every single week that we have an episode. Uh, leave a five-star review. It really helps the show continue to grow and get to where uh, you know we want this thing to be. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. That's where you get full video episodes of Eagles Enemies. You get full video episodes of all of our podcasts. You get original content. You get live streams. Everything you can think of right on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Smash that like button, ring the bell icon, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Plus, comment down below your thoughts on this Eagles-Bears matchup. And now, without any further ado, let's get into Eagles-Bears here on Eagles Enemies with Lauren Cox. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. The Eagles are flying high once again, coming off just another another big-time win against the New York football Giants, riding high, and uh, that number one seed in the NFC is within reach. But before we deal with the Chicago Micah Parsons, we got to deal with the Chicago Bears. And uh, no better way to talk Chicago Bears than with my good friend Lauren Cox rejoining us for the first time since 2019. And as we just said before we started recording, it's pretty crazy. It's been that long since the Eagles and Bears have seen each other. But Lauren, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you. And it's good to have Eagles Bears back on the schedule. You know, having the Bears on the schedule will be good for you guys. But I don't know <laughs> if it'll be as good for Bears fans. But happy to be back. Uh, the, the big question I got to start with, obviously, there was a trade between these two teams right before the trade deadline. Uh, Robert Quinn comes over. He's now on IR uh, with an injury, hoping to get him back for the playoffs. But what were your initial takeaways from that trade and, you know, kind of just the fact that the Bears were basically paying Robert Quinn to go play for the Eagles? Yeah, it was just, it's more of a salary dump at that point for a draft pick in exchange. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was the kind of thing that we were waiting for it to happen at some point. It was like, yeah, Robert Quinn's on the older side. He's on the more expensive side, and this is a Bears team that, has been getting rid of their older and more expensive players since their new general manager came in. And they kind of insisted that, oh, no, like Robert Quinn was going to be here and, and, you know, we want him to be a part of the organization and whatnot. And like, true, they couldn't just get rid of 
all of their talent before the season even started. You know, you kind of had to at least get a chunk of the way through to pretend that you're trying to win some football games this year. But, you know, I, I was happy to see him go to Philadelphia. I thought it'd be a great spot for him. And I, and I think it, it was, well, it lasted until he got hurt. But to be able to go to a defensive line where he doesn't have to be the guy, but he can rotate in and, and have some really talented pass rushers with him. I mean, that's where he can be at his best. You know, we, we saw last year in Chicago when he had his 18 and a half sacks, you know, when Khalil Mack is getting double teams and you got some, you know, a guy like Akeem Hicks on the interior to take a lot of the attention, Robert Quinn can get his one-on-ones and he can win those pretty consistently and finish at the quarterback. So I was rooting for him to have a big season in Philly. And, you know, unfortunately the injury bug just uh, wasn't on his side. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about this Eagles defensive line that has just gotten reinforcements throughout the season, along with the guys who have been here from the start. How do you kind of see this matchup, which I think is going to be one of the more interesting ones of Justin Fields, his legs kind of maneuvering and, and trying to escape the the pressure that this Eagles defensive front brings that they don't really blitz that much either. So it's kind of a lot of just, you know, four man pressure up front uh, from this Eagles D line. Yeah. I mean, when you look at this Eagles depth chart, there are for sure seven and maybe eight guys that would any of them would be the Bears' best defensive lineman right now. <laughs> like, you have a whole, a whole second string of defensive linemen. That I, I think I, I've not watched enough Milton Williams to know for sure, but I, the other seven guys on that team, I'm, I'm pretty sure, would be the best defensive linemen on the Chicago Bears. And this Bears' offensive line has been one of their weaknesses through a lot of the season. They've been playing better recently. Like their last couple of games, it seems like they've settled in a little bit more. they found a lineup that they're more comfortable with although now they're making a rotation at right tackle. But they also, the last couple of games, haven't been against as dominant of pass rushes as, as what we see from Philadelphia. So I have a bad feeling about how that's going to go for Chicago in this game, especially the way that these Eagles defensive linemen are able to finish at the quarterback. The Justin Fields has an astronomical amount of confidence that when a pass rusher is bearing down on him, I mean, unless he's flat-footed in the pocket and it's blindsided, he has no nowhere to go. He's, he's very confident in making pass rushers miss. And he's, I, I don't have numbers on it, but I would, be, I would imagine he's near the, the top of the league in missed tackles on a, uh, from sacks, right? Plays that should have been sacks that he made the pass rusher miss. But these Eagles are particularly good at finishing those plays, and I'm worried that there are going to be plays in this game where Fields thinks he can you know, get out of the reach of, of a guy like, um, like Josh Sweat, who's got that speed coming off the edge, or even a veteran like Brandon Graham that's just not going to let a, even a fast quarterback just, you know, get out of his grasp and that some of these plays that Fields thinks won't be sacks will end up being sacks and really limit what this Bears offense can do. What is it, What has the Justin Fields experience been like? Obviously, you know, last season it was kind of like, oh man, like what have we done with the quarterback position? And then, you know, you start seeing him get utilized to his strengths, being able to run the ball with his legs, kind of get outside the pocket. He breaks off these unbelievable long distance runs for touchdowns what it has kind of the the feel on Justin Fields been this year since like that level of his game is unlocked with this new coaching staff. Yeah, it's definitely been, you know, uh, something that's required some patience. And I think that that's caused uh, some, some disagreements and some differences between, you know, people in Chicago with local media and the fan base and then national media and people outside watching it that you, know, you, you glance at some of the box scores and stuff. You're still not seeing prolific passing production, in, in traditional ways that we measure it. But I think Bears fans can see the the flashes and, and the moments that are very much like independent of his surroundings. And that's been so much of the problem here is that like, you know, the, the field has had a number of games this season where it, it there's like three minutes left in the fourth quarter and the Bears are down 
one touchdown, you know, eight, seven, eight, six points around there. And he gets the ball back with a chance to drive down. And the Bears have not won very many of those games. And so it's like, oh, well, Fields is not clutch or Fields is not X, Y, or Z. But, you know, you look more specifically at what happens on those drives, you know, against the Vikings, one of their wide receivers fumbled it. And against, uh, I'm getting my teams, I think it's against the Dolphins. It was fourth and 10. Uh, one of the wide receivers dropped the pass on fourth down. That would have been a first down and kept the drive going. Or against the Commanders, they had a receiver bobble it in the end zone and end up getting tackled out of the end zone. But if he catches it in the end zone, it's a touchdown and the Bears win those games. So they go as a loss uh, on Fields' resume, but it's like those aren't specifically Fields throwing the, the, the stupid interception or you know taking the dumb sack or, or just being inaccurate and missing an open receiver on those plays. It's like it's not guaranteed that if receiver doesn't fumble or doesn't catch that the Bears win those games, but it's not Fields that's costing them those games. And so overall, Bears fans, I think, largely encouraged and, and feel like, yeah, next year when it's another year in the offense and a little bit more investment in the players around him, that that can be when he makes a, a maybe not quite fully Jalen Hurts level ascension, but that that's, I think, the model that the Bears are looking at. Yeah, and I'll, I'll let Bears fans know this, too, if they are listening. Like, you look at Jalen Hurts finally getting back-to-back -back years of the same coaching staff, it makes a difference. Being comfortable in the system you're in makes a huge difference, and uh, we've certainly seen that with Jalen Hurts uh, this year, but... With this Bears offense, too, like you mentioned, like being comfortable with the weapons around him, Bears go get Chase Claypool at the trade deadline. What did you make of that deal, and how much do you think that's going to benefit Justin Fields you know, for the rest of this season and then moving forward into the future uh, with Claypool in Chicago? Yeah, to me, the Claypool trade was a direct reflection of what we're expecting in free agency this year, that when you look at the group of wide receivers that are set to hit the open market. I mean, first of all, a lot of them are going to get re-signed anyway, but even if every single current projected wide receiver comes to the free agency, like there's no number one and there's a lot of guys that maybe could be number twos, but you know, it's like Juju Smith-Schuster is, is kind of near the top of the list of like, or Alan Lazard from Green Bay. It's like, there's not a difference maker who's going to like go out there and be that game changer that comes into your offense. And so you know, the general manager, Ryan Poles, looks around and says, well, where else can I add a wide receiver? Much like, I mean, certainly he's no A.J. Brown, but that same idea is like the Eagles say, well, screw it. If we can get this number one receiver via trade, it's better than what we're going to get in free agency or with our draft picks, so let's go and get him. There's a lot of optimism that, that Claypool can get back to the type of things we saw earlier from him in his career where he looked like a little bit more of a standout, not, not like a top 10 wide receiver by any means, but someone who's big, fast, strong, and can kind of do all the things you can't teach. It's been very slow coming together in Chicago, which is understandable coming at the trade deadline and they ask their wide receivers to do a lot. So it's very much like we're putting it off to 2023 before we true much like Fields. It's like, well, this year is showing us something, but we were not going to be fully evaluating until next year when they actually have some time together. But I I'm a little bit more pessimistic, I think, than other Bears fans that he's going to be some that he's going to be a true number one. It feels to me more like he's a good complimentary receiver in there and that trading a second round pick was probably a little bit but you're 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 banking on some added development more than than what you saw in Pittsburgh and that's it's a risk that I'm I'm not I don't hate trying to take and see what see what comes out of it. And you know, you look at this Eagles defense and how well they've performed across the board and like we mentioned earlier like they don't really have to blitz the quarterback that much to get pressure, create sacks and then the Eagles for the first time since my childhood actually have quality linebackers which is fantastic uh who would have thunk you know investing in linebackers makes your defense better um and then the wish, secondary has been unbelievable as well i wish nate jury was still out there man like those were the days <laughs> man 
we've come so far. Nate, Nate Jerry to Hassan Reddick. What a, what a development. Um, and then the Eagles secondary, they've had, you know, on paper and statistically two of the best defensive backs in Darius Slay and James Bradbury this year. Avante Maddox is healthy. Uh, you know, Marcus Epps has been playing really well. And then uh, if he plays in a, a rookie, Reed Blankenship coming out of nowhere, filling in for C.J. Gardner-Johnson has been phenomenal in the couple of games he's been able to play. How do you kind of see the matchup of the overall Eagles defense against this Bears offense? Yeah, it feels to me like those safeties are where I'd like to attack. I mean, just not having C.J. Gardner-Johnson out there. I know Reed Blankenship played well, but he's still an undrafted rookie, right? I mean, there's still some opportunity there for him to get caught you know, thinking about something the wrong way or to try and confuse him in that way. And, and that's where, if I'm the Bears, that's what I'm looking for is, is attacking up the middle of the field. I, I mean, I'm a big T.J. Edwards guy. I covered him at Wisconsin. I've met him a few times. Like, really nice guy. And I love T.J. Really just a like he's a just a he's a cool dude, but also like a really instinctual good linebacker. And I'm I'm so happy to see him play well. But I mean, even like Kaiser White and them, like I still like that's the area I would much rather attack than Bradbury and Slay, who have like you said been really really dominant on the outside. Like trying trying to get those matchups over the middle of the field is where I'm looking for. If I'm the Bears, I just don't know that Justin Field is going to have the time for those plays to get there. That you know, if, if the cornerbacks can kind of step up and, and shut down any kind of quick thing the Bears are working on the outside, then it takes time for a tight end to work his way down the field. And Justin Fields is not going to have that time for some of those plays to develop. So I think a lot of the emphasis is going to be on slowing down the pass rush and then hoping that things can open up in the passing game in the back end. And the bears are a heavy screen team. They're going to, they're going to run a lot of play action and try and move the pocket and just like find different ways so that the pass rushers can't just pass rush. And sure. Of course they're going to run the ball a lot too, and maybe try and keep the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands a little bit more, but uh, I'm worried that some of these drives are going to end more in field goals and punts than touchdowns, and I don't think this Bears defense is going to keep Jalen Jalen Hurts and company out of the end zone very much. Like it would take, it's going to take the Eagles messing up themselves to, and you know, penalties or turnovers or something that not so much the Bears making some big kind of play to, to beat them. I am a fan of uh, one player on this Bears team, and I kind of like put early stock in him. Was like he could be the next big thing. I love Cole Komet. I think he's like going he he has the the opportunity with the talent he has to be in like not really the obviously like Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews tight end echelon but like he can make that argument to be in that next tier below them. How do you kind of view Cole Komet and the way he's kind of progressed over the past couple of seasons with the Bears and where do you see like, you know, his trajectory moving forward in this offense and kind of being a guy for Justin Fields to rely on as kind of, you know, that dump off option in the passing game. And some of the amazing catches he's able to make that a tight end shouldn't really be able to make is spectacular. Uh, I really like Cole Komet. Yeah. We we've, I think we've struggled to properly evaluate Cole Komet in Chicago that, you know, tight ends, especially early in the career tend to start slow. You don't see too many. I mean, other than like the freaks like Kyle Pitts or whoever, like come in as a rookie and, dominate as a as a really as a blocker or a receiver but especially as a receiver and so like I don't you know so then it's like well then what timeline do we expect them to get up to speed on and, and what does that progress look like you know I, th I think we struggle a little bit with that idea of like where the expectations should be for a second round pick at tight end that is more this traditional inline guy who can block well and catch the ball when you throw it to him but he's not going to outrun anybody downfield you know I mean he, he'll be big and physical and strong but so like where do you you know, where do you draw the lines there? And certainly last year they were struggling because they, they, I think they gave him about three or four targets in the end zone and in the red zone all season. Like he just, he had no, he had no touchdowns and, and because they just hardly threw them the ball in that area of the field. So finally we're seeing an offense utilize him a bit more. 
and I still don't know. I still don't know if we know exactly like what what the ceiling is there or what it's supposed to look like when he's at when he's at his peak. Because yeah, I mean, he's a guy that can win some of those contested catches that he had been struggling with a little bit earlier in his career. And he made a really nice one-handed catch earlier in the season that really I think floored a lot of people. But he's not running away from guys, so you you do have to like most tight ends scheme him open and you know use play action. But it's it but at that point it becomes it becomes very intentional. So how valuable is that? I mean, it's it's a great safety blanket for Justin Fields and someone that he's, especially with the lack of talent they have at wide receiver, it's someone that he can go to and and really be a, a reliable option for them. But I think in an ideal world, right, you have two or three wide receivers that you like better than that, and he's your third or fourth passing option, and that's and that's fine. But will that limit his production overall? I, you know, it feels like he's always going to be in this, you know, six to maybe 800-yard range, and that's that's very good. But it's not like, like you said, it's not, that top, top tier of tight ends that are really like game changers that can make that big play that's going to open up your whole offense. 100%. And, you know, you you look at just what's been able to happen year one of this new coaching staff for the Bears. What have you kind of taken away from, you know, what they've brought to the table? And how do you think, you know, this coaching staff is going to continue to develop with some of the guys that on paper should be, you know, core pieces for this Chicago Bears team for the next couple of seasons moving forward, obviously with Justin Fields, being the focal point, but what what is your assessment of this Bears coaching staff so far? Yeah, I'm really interested in how that plays out in this game with Sirianni and uh, Jonathan Gannon, both Colts guys that Matt Eberflus coached with, and Bears defensive coordinator Alan Williams was on the Colts coaching staff as well, so there's a, a high amount of familiarity between these two coaching staffs and how they go about things. So, you know, certainly this game doesn't feel to me like it's going to be a scheme battle as much as it's just a, a talent and who's going to win their one-on-ones, and of course, the Eagles have a lot more of that on their roster, but, but bigger picture for this season... I think it's been it's been about establishing that foundation and that culture, and I think a lot of people are, are buying into Matt Eberflus and you know, really emphasizing, you know, he's got this thing. It's called the Hits Principle. It's hustle, intensity, turnovers, and I think the S is for smarts, like just not you know not making stupid mistakes and stuff. And really, like they'll they'll go through games and grade every player on their hustle on each play and say, hey, you were you weren't running full speed there, you were jogging here. You they, they hand out what they call loafs on plays where you you weren't. You weren't sprinting or doing as 100% effort. Like when the ball is away from you, you still need to be going 100%. And I think, especially with a younger roster like this, that's where you're getting a lot of the buy-in. And if you had a really veteran team, you know, like the Eagles, like now, where it's a little bit harder when a coach comes in and says, "Hey, you're not working hard enough. You're not running hard enough." When hey, I've been in the league for 10 years and I've been, you know, and I've and I've made the Pro Bowl and I've had all these stats. So don't you tell me that I'm not working hard enough, right? So I, I think it's important to have had this this turnover in this young team to kind of buy in a little bit more to what a coach is telling them this way and that you can add older players into that later on and it's already the established culture that they can kind of fit in and, and say it's going to fit in. And there's been a lot of a lot of praise for the offensive coordinator, Luke Getzi, like, like you were talking about earlier, finding an offense for Justin Fields and really fitting the offense to him more than trying to fit him into an offense. Has it been perfect? There have been times when they're, they're too conservative. There have been times when, you know, like they'll have a big play and then they'll run the ball three times and punts. Like it's, it's, just, you know, or it's just weird where they won't, they won't keep their foot on the gas sometimes. There's frustrations in there, but I think there's generally a feeling like, you know, this is maybe we're not we're not certain this is a staff that's going to win a Super Bowl or anything, but you're feeling okay about like it's a nice change of pace from what they had in Matt Nagy. It feels a little bit more stable, feels a little bit more fundamental and, and old school in that way, and not so much like you know new age trying to do things a lot differently. Like it's just it, it's writing the ship, and we'll see what the ceiling is on that. But it definitely feels like a high floor coaching staff at a minimum. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at the flip side of this game, too, with the Eagles' offense and what they've been able to do this year, obviously, 
sitting with the best record in the NFC. Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate. You see, you know, the introduction of A.J. Brown, what it's done for the entire offense, not just Jalen Hurts, but, you know, how open it makes Devontae Smith, makes Quez Watkins, Dallas Goddard when he's back out on the field, hopefully this week for the Eagles as well. And then Miles Sanders has just had a career season uh, out of nowhere. How do you kind of see this Bears defense who has, you know, traded some pieces, you know, trying to figure out their identity, matching up against this Eagles offense that can attack you in a multitude of different ways, whether it is with just, you know, quick bang-bang type of plays and, you know, just going and scoring a quick touchdown or those meticulous seven, eight, nine-minute, you know, run time off the clock type of drives that are just, you know, absolutely draining to a defense. Yeah, we heard the Bears defensive coordinator yesterday, when, late this week. I don't, I don't remember which day it was. Talk about the, with the Eagles, the Eagles offense where it's like, you know, as a coach, like you want to try and make them beat you left-handed, right? You take away what they're good at and make them beat you otherwise. But it's like with the Eagles, what what do you take away, right? I mean, you take away their their running game. They got great receivers. You take away the receivers. If Goddard's back, certainly they've got you know they've got a multitude of great receiving options, and their offensive line is great. So you're not necessarily going to be able to rely on a pass rush. Like there, there's not there's not a clear like take this away and make them use their weakness because there's just I mean other than Dallas Goddard being injured and having to rely on you know Jack Stoll and and Grant Calcaterra, I mean, tight ends that I've, I can't say that I've heard of before looking at the Eagles roster. Like, that was the one area you could point to and say, well, oh, they don't have much of tight end right now. But if, but if Goddard comes back, well, then you're, you're going you're gonna to be in a, in a heat of trouble because the Bears defense just does not have many redeeming qualities. Like, you love Jack Sanborn, another Wisconsin linebacker, a teammate of TJ Edwards briefly, I think. There was just a little bit of crossover with them. It was early in, in Sanborn's career and late, late in Edwards. And he's been a, a, a pleasant surprise. And you know, there, there's been development from their young second round picks at, at cornerback and safety, but it's been some inconsistency there as well. And of course, like Jalen Johnson has been very good. That's, that's like the one area you can say like, okay, here's the reliable piece. You know that when he's covering somebody, it's not a, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Darrell Rivas shutdown, but you feel pretty good about how you're going to fare in that matchup overall against most players. And I'm really excited to see him versus AJ Brown. How's that going to go? Cause Jalen Johnson wants to be that number one shutdown cornerback. Here's your test. Like go out, go out and prove it. It's not, Again, it's not holding him to zero catches for zero yards, but if you know, can you hold him under fifty? You know, five catches, fifty yards around there. Like that's that's the threshold I'm going to be watching for. If you know when those two are matched up, and whether the Bears have him shadow coverage him around the field, which they have done sometimes, but they've been a little bit less inclined to, to do that this season because I don't think they trust everything else around him. And when you move Jalen Johnson into someone else's spot, then that person has to move somewhere else. You know, and to kind of fill in the other gaps. And I don't think they trust the other players to take the spots that Jalen Johnson is moving from. So we'll see exactly how they want to handle that in this game. But no pass rush is a real big problem. And uh, a young and now injured secondary has also been a bit of a problem. And I think the the most fun that, you know, Eagles fans and people who cover the team this year that are pro Jalen Hurts, the, the argument that so many people have made last year and coming into this year is like, oh, you want to make Jalen Hurts beat you with his arm. Well, he's proven that he can beat you with his arm now, uh, you know, but how much of a benefit for this Bears defense is it, you know, even though they are not, you know, top to bottom kind of like the Eagles defense, but having Justin Fields there in practice, knowing that kind of mobile quarterback situation, how much of a benefit is that to kind of, you know, try to shut down Jalen Hurts using his legs and then, you know, kind of just attacking the passing game? Yeah, it's the sort of thing that like you would think is, is a really big benefit and and it should be, but the Bears really, really struggled with Daniel Jones early in this season. It was week four, as I'm pulling up now. 
And like for some reason, like they just like they'd run these bootlegs and they would have no one over there. And there was a couple times where it was a naked bootleg with no passing routes. And Daniel Jones ran untouched in the end zone twice. Like they just it took three quarters for them to figure out to hey maybe watch the quarterback who can actually run a little bit. And they haven't really played a, a super mobile quarterback since. Like they played like Dak Prescott with the Cowboys, but he wasn't really running all over them all that much. And like like Tua's got some mobility with the Dolphins, but not. They haven't played a, a, a real dynamic runner, and even Daniel Jones is not—he's not that dynamic. He's mobile, but he's not—he's not Jalen Hurts fast. And so, it'll be a really good measuring stick for the, the defense and the coaching staff to see, like, okay, second time around, another quarterback who you know is going to run sometimes. Are they more prepared for it this time, or is it going to take them three quarters to figure out that the running quarterback is going to run and that on play action you should keep an eye on him sometimes? And, and then, oh, he can also tear up your secondary with his arm. Like, it's—it's going to go bad for this Bears defense. It's just a matter of. How bad and and can you be ready for the things that are predictable or, or that can you be ready for the things that you should expect Like you should expect Hertz to run and they should have expected Daniel Jones to run and they didn't seem ready for what should have been more of an obvious thing to prepare for. And then, you know, to kind of combat that, like I said, Miles Sanders has had a career season this year. How do you kind of see the Bears defense? Attempting to shut down the Eagles running game that, you know, also involves guys like Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. And then obviously Jalen Hurts is in there as well, like we mentioned. But Miles Sanders has kind of been the big bruiser this year for the first time in his career, really, where it hasn't really been that, you know, rotating type of uh, situation with the Eagles running backs for the first time. Yeah, I, I certainly I, I don't want this to come off as like anti Miles Sanders by any means. But like the, the more of the fear for me is in the Eagles offensive line. And not that Sanders isn't doing a really good job of, of taking advantage of what they've given him and forcing missed tackles on his own that are they're independent of the blocking. But like I, in in my game, in my estimate, I'm more worried that like this Eagles offensive line is just going to plow through this Bears defensive line. That they're just going to they're going to push the trenches so far back that it doesn't necessarily matter whether it's Miles Sanders or Boston Scott or or, or Kenneth Blainwell back there that any of the three of them are going to have some room to run in this game. And you know, like I think once they get to the second level, like Jack Sanborn's been very good. At, he's very instinctual in run defense, and the Bears are pretty good at you know when they do meet the ball carrier, getting bodies on him fairly quickly. And even if the first guy doesn't bring him down you know, on the spot, like a second guy gets there and they limit the damage at that point. But as much as this bears pass rush is not good. The run defense from that group up front is also not great. It's, it's not as abysmal as the pass rush. I think they are a better run defending group than pass rushing group. But when, when the, when the pass rush is a zero and the run defense is a, you know, a, a one, not a 10, like it's, it's better, but it's not good. So I, I'm really nervous that this Eagles offensive line is just going to be able to really establish line of scrimmage kind of plow through them a little bit and make it that much easier on Jalen Hurts, especially, you know, you throw some play action in there and the Bears always bite way too hard on play action. There's always space behind the linebackers and in front of the safeties. That's exactly where the Eagles like to go with a lot of that stuff too. And it's like, you you can really see, it it just feels like the Eagles should score a touchdown on every drive. And if there's a drive where they don't, that should be a disappointment for Philadelphia. Somehow they messed up in some way, shape or form to, to not have scored on every drive that they have their foot on the gas. I mean, I could see third or fourth quarter, they slow things down. They're just going to hand the ball off and maybe, you know, you stall there, but they should get to 35 on their first, what is it? Five, the first five drives should be five touchdowns to get them to 35 points. And if that's not the case, I think something is going wrong and they sh- you should be a little bit disappointed. And, you know, we brought up AJ Brown and, you know, kind of that matchup with the, with the Bears secondary. How much do you think that's going to open up opportunities where Jalen Hurts may just decide to look more towards Devontae Smith and utilize, you know, Devontae's route tree that, I think a lot of people underestimate and still continue to underestimate how good of a wide receiver Devontae Smith is. And now that he is kind of the de facto number two wide receiver in this offense, 
he doesn't get as much love. I think that uh, you know the national view would give him if he was a number one. But how do you think Devontae Smith fares in this matchup, not gaining you know that immediate number one uh, coverage from the Bears secondary? Yeah, I, I'll say I'm I'm not particularly confident that they're going to shut down AJ Brown in any way. Like I want to see how Jalen Johnson does, but the Bears have not done particularly well at that against other teams' top receivers. You know, Tyreek Hill with the Dolphins had a huge game against them. Justin Jefferson with the Vikings had a huge game against them. They, they, they had certainly some games where the other team just didn't have big-time receivers, but I, I think A.J. Brown is going to get his, whether that's – I don't know if that's 150 yards, but it's, you know, it's a, it's 100. I mean, I, I would definitely be confident in him getting some yards. So then it's like, like the Bears do not – they're not you're not going to see them just like go all in on – double covering him at every single play and making Devontae Smith beat them. The, the Bears are much more inclined to kind of let things play out a little bit and say, like, we're going to still stick with more of our base coverages and trust our guys in their one-on-ones a little bit and, and say, like, be, beat us man-to-man, like, not man-to-man, like, literally in the coverage, but, like, your guy versus our guy one-on-one beat us. It might still be zone coverage, but beat us, like, mano e mano. Show us that you're the better guy. And, you know, Jalen, I mean, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith are probably both going to be better than most of what the Bears have in the secondary. I mean, Jalen Johnson will have some flashes in there, but any of the other corners backs or or even the safeties, like with Eddie Jackson out, I think the, the Eagles have a pretty clear advantage in this area, and it's just a matter of how well they can take advantage of it and make sure that they get out of their own way and don't beat themselves with penalties or drops or, you know, a batted pass that turns into an interception or something. That's that's the main way I see any any chance of the Bears consistently slowing down the Eagles. Uh, now that we're in this, you know, final month and a half of the regular season, I figure our guest here on out, I'm going to ask, because he's in the conversation, do you think Jalen Hurts is the NFL MVP? It's it's hard it's hard not to. God, you know what I mean? Like, I was, I, I want to give it to Geno Smith because I like the story, you know, and, and he's been he's been so valuable for them. But I think, I mean, you saw it on, on Thursday night against the 49ers, and Geno against a really good defense had some troubles there. And I don't know that we've really seen Jalen Hurts have – some of that same struggles, especially in a season where it feels like there are four good teams, three or four actually good teams and everyone else from week to week, it's impossible to tell. Like I was thinking like, it doesn't feel like the Eagles are like particularly battle tested as far as like teams on their schedule that are like definitively really good. But then it's like, Oh, there's only three of them. So they just, they didn't have, like, they're just not, they're just not going to play teams that are like really good. And they might not play those teams until the NFC championship game. Cause whoever they play in the first round is not going to be very good. And probably whoever they play in the second round. I know that's getting away from the point, but, but the point is that like Jalen Hurts has been one of the few teams where they just like he's just been really good all year round. And I think there's some voter fatigue with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, where it's like, yeah, we know they're good, and like they they are usually in the MVP conversation. But because Hurts is like the newer guy in that mix, and he's been playing so well, it's like, well, Mahomes will win others, and Allen will win others, and maybe Hurts will too. But like they've already won stuff. Like I, I'm on board with with give it to Jalen Hurts because I think he's not only has he earned it, but it's also like give it the fresh name, the MVP. Couldn't agree more. And uh, since the last time you've been on, Lauren, we've implemented just a fun final question that sure. you know deals with our guest. It deals with the team. Uh, and one of your most recent tweets, just from Uh-oh. a couple days ago, uh, you've been playing a lot of God of War Ragnarok. Uh, <laughs> I knew that's I, where you're going. <laughs> I gotta ask if you could pick uh, a couple guys from this Bear Squad to play uh, God of War with. Who who you bring into the gaming session? Ooh. Yeah, I, I got a I got a PlayStation Five a week or two ago. My, my my Christmas present to myself, and it's been hard to get like real work done a, a lot of the time. <laughs> you know, and it's tough because the the previous iteration of this Bears team, there were a bunch of guys. Like Tariq Cohen was a big gamer who I would have loved to play with, but he's not there. Akeem Hicks is the same thing. Like there's, there's a bunch of cool guys. So like of course like Justin Fields, right? I mean like 
you, I'd like to do pretty much anything and hang out to hang out with Justin Fields. But like somebody that would be, you know, more just like a, a cool, interesting person to do it with. Darnell Mooney has always struck me as a guy that is super like down to earth and chill and just like, you know, he's not going to. Not gonna get too fired up about it, but like he's gonna he's he's very like thoughtful and is is just interesting and like is one of the more like well-rounded human beings on a team. He's not the guy that gets up there and is just football robot who just spews cliches at you. Like he just he'll have a real conversation with you and be honest about stuff. And I I've always appreciated that about him. So I I would probably go Mooney and like of course Fields, but and you even mentioned Cole Komet too. Like he just seems like a good time. Like tight ends in general, most tight ends just yes. seem like you want to have a beer with pretty much every tight end. They're not all Gronk crazy, but like they all are guys that you'd love to sit down with at a bar and have a good time. So sit down with, with some, a PlayStation five controller and God of war. Yeah, I'm, I'm there. hundred percent. And I totally agree with you about Darnell Mooney. He's like one of my favorite guys that are from outside of Philadelphia that I'm just like, he seems super fun and like, just like a cool dude to, you know, root for. Uh, so yeah, that's good picks there. Lauren, let everybody know where they can uh, follow you on the social medias, check out everything you're doing, uh, covering the bears and covering, you know, all types of football that you're doing. Yeah, it seems like each and every week I'm not not sure how much longer Twitter's going to last or if it's if something's going to happen and you never know, but I'm on Twitter at Cox Sports one I always say it's like Fox Sports 1, but with a C. And you can hear me five days a week on the Locked on Bears podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hopefully you'll get to enjoy uh, your long-distant relative, Fletcher Cox, playing against the Bears That's this right. weekend. And, uh, Lauren, it's always a pleasure having you on, man, and appreciate it. I'm sure we'll be talking on Sunday about the game. Excellent. Hey, thanks so much. Big shout out to Lauren for hopping on the show this week. Obviously, like we mentioned, the Bears kind of in this identity searching point of the season, getting ready for 2023. You still got to be able to stop Justin Fields. And I think the Eagles pass rush, that D line, the linebackers like Hassan Reddick, Kaiser White, uh, they're going to be able to do that. And TJ Edwards helping stuff up the middle. Uh, and then the secondary has been the secondary. So I'm I'm pretty content with how the Eagles offense, you know, stoppage is going to look with their defense and the offense. Just go put up points, baby. Make it so that, you know, end of the third quarter, it's, you know, 49-3. to three, And you're putting Gardner Minshew and the backups in. Uh, so I feel very content about this game. And then we move forward to Christmas Eve next week where it's Eagles-Cowboys more than likely for the division. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that one especially. A big thank you to Lauren for hopping on the show. Make sure you guys go follow him. He's a great follow. Knows his stuff about the Bears and uh, knows a lot about the NFL draft and the NFL as a whole. So go follow him. Make sure you're following us on the socials at UndergroundPHI, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, follow me on Twitter at KBICZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave those five-star reviews. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. It really means a lot to us. We're trying to grow that YouTube channel, grow that YouTube presence. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. We're at 329 subscribers as of this recording. Hopefully looking to get to 350 by the end of the year. So help us out. Go subscribe. Uh, and this has been another edition of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your boy KB. You guys know what they always say each and every week. Go Birds! Go Birds!